John chapter 11 and verse 28. John chapter 11 and verse 28. The greatest tragedy that has ever taken place was Jesus' death on the cross in one sense. And yet, through Jesus' death, still 2,000 years later, we are seeing people's lives changed. There's power uh, in what happened to Jesus. Um, there was a man named Jim Elliott who was a missionary to the Alka Indians. And um, in trying to establish contact with them for the first time, uh, they put him to death. They killed him. And through the tragedy of his death, despite the fact that they had killed her husband, Elizabeth Elliot went back to the same people and shared Christ with them. And they were so amazed that she would come and minister to the people that killed her husband uh, that many of them came to faith in Jesus Christ. So through that tragedy, God worked his purpose. Uh, when we have difficulty and tragedy in our lives, um, it, is, it is a struggle. But we need to remember those times that God takes those things. First of all, he allows them only if necessary, and he takes those things and he works them for good. Uh, Jesus said this would result in the glory of God. His friend Lazarus had died. Uh, the sisters had called for him, and he was a couple of days' journey away. He waited before coming. But when he comes, they say, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And uh, he has a discussion with them and basically points them to the fact that he is the resurrection and the life. And uh, we're going to see how God's glory is revealed through tragedy. So we need to trust Jesus in those times when we go through tragedy and trust God to work those things for good, even if they're not good in and of themselves. John 11 and verse 28. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling you. As soon as she heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary had gotten up quickly and went out. So they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come to her with her crying, he was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. Where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, angry in himself again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying. It's been four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe that you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out bound, hand and foot with linen strips, and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. 
But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees convened the Sanhedrin and said, What are we going to do since this man does many signs? <coughs> Excuse me. If we let him continue in this way, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and remove both our place and our nation. One of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. You're not considering that it's to your advantage that one man should die for the people rather than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to unite the scattered children of God. So from that day on, they plotted to kill him. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but departed from there to the countryside near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. And he stayed there with his disciples. Jewish Passover was near, and many went to Jerusalem uh, from the country to purify themselves before the Passover. They were looking for Jesus and asking one another as they stood in the temple complex, What do you think? He won't come back to the festival, will he? The chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it so they could arrest him. You can be seated. Revealed through tragedy. What is revealed? We're going to see several things that we learn about our Savior and his work when we suffer and go through tragedy. First of all, we learn his divine compassion. His divine compassion. When Jesus saw Mary, she, she runs up and she grasps him around her feet, uh, around his feet, and, and begins to say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And she begins to weep, and the people around her are weeping. And, and the Bible says that Jesus was deeply disturbed, angry. Why was he angry? And by the way, this is one of two places in all the New Testament that says Jesus was angry. Why was Jesus angry? Jesus saw the grief. He wasn't angry because he knew that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He he, he wasn't grieving for that. He wasn't weeping for that. No, he was upset because he saw the pain and the heartache and the struggle that they were going through, and it deeply disturbed him in his spirit, and he was angry. Jesus had told the disciples, it's necessary for this to happen the way it's happening for the glory of God, but that did not make Jesus feel any less in those powerful words, Jesus wept. Can I tell you something? Jesus weeps when we hurt. Jesus is angry at the suffering that we go through. He hates it. That's why he came. One of the reasons Jesus came, not only to forgive sin, but also to set in in motion the restoration of all things. Because the Bible says that Jesus is going to come back and one day this world will be restored and then ultimately there will be a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. And that Jesus will be king and God the Father will reign uh, as king with him. And the Bible says there'll be no sorrow, there'll be no crying, there'll be no pain. For the former things have passed away. Jesus said, behold, write this down. These words are trustworthy 
and true. Jesus came to restore all things. Jesus feels and suffers with you when you suffer. Um, one scripture says we do not have a high priest that is not uh, sympathetic with the feeling of our infirmity, but was tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin. Jesus has been tested as you and I are tested by the trials of life. Jesus has suffered as we have suffered, and he uniquely understands what we're going through. Jesus has divine compassion. Um, I remember one time when Megan was little, uh, she used to have to get her blood drawn regularly. And uh, because of that, anytime she saw a white coat, she would just start screaming. Uh, but usually her mama took care of that because she was, you know, mamas are good at that kind of stuff. And dad's not so much. But uh, anyway, I, I went and I took her because Sherry was out of town that day. And they had to take her blood. And, and the lady said, look, she's, she's moving around and she won't let, let me take it. Would you sit and hold her still so I can get her blood? And, and I remember I took her in my, in my lap and I'm holding her arms like this. And she's struggling with everything she's got to try to get away. And she looks at me with this, this look of utter shock and betrayal. How could you do this to me? I just felt awful. <laughs> she, they stuck the needle, they took her blood, and everything was okay, and we went and got her ice cream. But, uh, you know, sometimes when you're a parent, you do things or you allow things in your children's life because you know it's necessary for their good. Um, God is the same way. And sometimes we may not always understand all the ins and outs of the whys and wherefores, but we can know that God cares for us when we suffer. Um, and I'm so grateful. Matter of fact, Jesus said, I'm going to send the comforter to you. The Holy Spirit will come live within you. He will comfort you. And that's, that touch of comfort has come to me in times where I've needed God's compassion. So through our tragedy, God reveals his compassion. Uh, somebody once said, until God is all you have, you won't find that God is all you need. He has carried me through times. He's carried some of you through times of great difficulty. And he's sustained you and he's held you in his hand. He's comforted you in your struggle. That's our God. So through our tragedy, what, are we, what is revealed? First of all, his divine compassion. Secondly, his supernatural power. His supernatural power. I love Martha. Literally, the word in Greek means he stinks. Hey, Lord, it's been four days. This guy smells bad. We don't want to take away the stone. Jesus said, listen, you need to trust me. He says in, in verse 40, didn't I tell you if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And then if you look in verse 43, after he said this, he shouted with a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus, who'd been laying there four days, got up. He had the grave clothes around him. They would tie their arms to their body and tie a napkin around their head. So he's walking out like this, you know. And uh, Jesus says, loose him and let him go. Lazarus had been brought to life. That is power. Somebody once said Jesus had to say, Lazarus, come forth. Because if he had just said, come forth, everybody would have come out of every tomb. 
That's the power of our Savior. I want you to know something. Jesus Christ has the power to deliver you from your circumstance, but he also has the power to deliver you through your circumstance. Sometimes God delivers, as he did here with Lazarus. And can you imagine the joy that must have come to Mary and Martha as they see their brother? They thought he was gone until the resurrection. And, um, you know, how full their hearts must have been. But sometimes God doesn't answer the way we desire. Paul told God, he said, he said three times, he asked him, Lord, remove this thorn in the flesh, some problem or illness that he had. And, and three times he prayed, and God said, no. He said, my power is perfected in weakness. Um, and he said, so my grace will be sufficient for you. No matter what you go through in your life, God's grace will be sufficient for you. Why? Because he has supernatural power. He can carry you through anything that you face. Um, I had one man in my last church tell me his wife was dying with cancer. And um, it was a years-long process. And he, he cared for her and ministered to her while he, she was suffering. And he told me one day, he said, you know, he said, I never would have made it had it not been for the Lord. He just carried me through. He gave me the strength that I needed and the help. Uh, that's God's supernatural power. If you're his child, the Bible says you have the power of the resurrection living in you. You're able to walk through these difficulties with him and to bring your burdens and concerns to him and see him work and move and answer prayer. It's an amazing thing. So what's revealed through tragedy? First of all, his divine compassion. Secondly, his supernatural power. Thirdly, I want you to see his convincing work is revealed through tragedy. Look at verse 43. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. Now, this is really interesting. Through tragedy, God brings the salvation of many people. You see how that works? God works in a situation. I'll never forget, uh, there was a lady, Miss Hinderleiter, in my last church, and uh, she had a really bad case of cholesterol. It was so bad that when they looked in the, in the vial where they'd taken her blood, it looked milky. And she'd had clots moving around in her body, and they had amputated her toes and her feet, one leg, the second leg. And I remember I was going to see her in the hospital. I was going to try to provide some kind of encouragement. I was telling God, Lord, I have no clue what to say to her. I'm completely, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to trust you to help me, but I really don't know what I'm going to say. And so I walked into her hospital room and started to try to say something. She said, let me tell you something. She says, I'm glad this tragedy has happened to me. I was thinking, what? <laughs> you know, my mouth was hanging open a little bit. She said, she said, my sister and I have been estranged for many years. She said, I, I've not talked to her in decades. And she said, because of this tragedy, me and my sister have been reunited. And I would go through all of it again 
just to be reminded of her. And, uh, and nurse came in into the, to the hospital room and she was finishing her story. And uh, she said, you know, she said, I've seen this happen a lot. I've seen God take these situations sometimes and use them in people's lives to bring about a good purpose. Um, God does that regularly. Uh, God's convincing work sometimes happens through tragedy, and it can be convincing in the sense of like a relationship restored. But even more importantly, it could be convincing in the sense that somebody recognizes their need for Christ. These people, as they saw Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth, they recognized they needed that power in their lives. And they put their trust in Jesus Christ. Sometimes when you go through tragedy, you recognize your need in a profound way. And oftentimes, people that don't even think about Christ will begin to think about, well, maybe I ought to think about Jesus in this circumstance. I need uh, his help. Um, Megan was saved in the middle of her sickness. And as difficult as that was for her and as difficult as it was for us to see her suffer uh, for however long it was, over a year, um, I would go through that again to know that my daughter's going to be in heaven. You see, God sometimes does a convincing work through tragedy. Uh, Y'all have heard of evil can evil, right? Um, well, Evil Knievel, you probably don't know this story. Towards the end of his life, he had been diagnosed with cancer. Um, he had a friend that told him about Jesus Christ, and he put his faith in Jesus Christ. His life was changed, and um, he knew he was going to die. And so he, he asked the pastor of his church, he said, look, he said, I've got all these friends that are lost. And he said, I need to tell them what's happened to me. And, and he said, uh, I'm going to die, so I, I want to do it before I die. And, and so um, he asked for a night to be able to share what Jesus had done in his life. And all his friends, the, the whole church building was just packed with the friends that, that he knew. And he shared how Jesus had changed his life. And many, many people came forward that night and gave their hearts to Christ. The convincing work of suffering in his life that brought him to that place of putting his faith in Jesus. And not only he came to Christ, but many of his friends came to Christ. You see, we just don't know. Sometimes we see things, and we may not know why, even in this life. But when we get to heaven, we'll know. First Peter says, No trial comes to a child of God, except for some reason it's necessary. And so we can trust God in the middle of those things and, and recognize that sometimes he takes trial to convince a person of their need. For Jesus Christ. What is revealed through our tragedy, his divine compassion, his supernatural power, his convincing work, and his uh, preparation for the future. This is pretty neat. In verse 49, you have Jesus' enemies having a powwow about what to do about Jesus. They're, they're dismayed. They're, what are we going to do about this guy? He keeps on healing people and doing all these wonderful works. What are we going to do? Uh, ultimately, if something doesn't happen, everybody's going to believe in him. And we don't want that. And so they're plotting, and, and, and they're afraid maybe that, that people will recognize Jesus as the Messiah. 
and, and that there'll be an uprising and the Romans will come and destroy the city and take away their power, right? And so they're, they're discussing this. And in verse 49, uh, it says, Caiaphas, who was still high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Isn't that an encouraging word? Uh, you're, you're, not under, you're not considering that it is to your advantage that one man should die for the people rather than the whole nation perish. Now, what's he saying? What does he mean by that? He means we don't want the Romans coming in here and destroying us, so it's better for Jesus to die than it is for us to die. That's what he means by that. Yet, because he was the high priest, God was speaking through him. It is to your advantage that one man should die for the people. Look at verse 51. He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not only for the nation only, but to unite the scattered children of God. Jesus was to die for the world. John says that in chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Scripture says this, Christ died for sin once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. You see, this was his advanced preparation. What was Jesus doing here? What was God doing in, in speaking through this enemy of Jesus a prophetic word? Jesus, I believe, was, was uh, God was preparing the priests to believe in him. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Regardless of what you think of Jesus, if you saw a man who had been dead come back to life, you'd not forget that very soon. These priests had to have their wheels turning, <laughs> thinking about what's going on. And this high priest gives this pronouncement, one man should die for the people. The book of Acts tells us that after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, that uh, the church was growing and, and people were coming to faith in Jesus and uh, they appointed the first deacons to help with the service. And, and in, in Acts chapter 6, it says, And many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Hmm. God had a plan. He was working in the enemies of his son to bring them to faith in Jesus so he could forgive their sin. I want to tell you something. You may be an enemy of God. But all of us are before we come to Christ, the scripture says. But you may be a determined enemy of God. Can I tell you, God loves you. And he wants to save your soul even though you're his enemy. And he has a plan to do it through Jesus Christ. Uh, that's his advanced preparation. Um, <laughs> years before they came to Christ, God was thinking of them. There's a song that said, he was thinking of me all the time. He was thinking of me. Though I knew him not, still he loved me and was thinking of me. I want to tell you, before the world was created, the Bible said Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What's that mean? Jesus was slain in history. But before the foundation of the world, it was already God's plan to send Jesus Christ to save you and to save me. His eternal plan. His advanced preparation through this negative circumstance the plot 
to take Jesus' life, God is achieving His purpose. It's revealed through tragedy. Tragedy is hard. It's difficult. But for the child of God, because we serve a Savior who has conquered the grave, tragedy can be turned into something good. And Jesus Christ is in the business of doing that. Uh, what about you? Are you going through a difficult time in your life? Maybe you're going through a struggle with uh, a sick loved one or, or maybe a death in your family. Maybe you're going through a, a, a problem of some kind of interpersonal uh, relationship issue. Um, whatever it is, God wants you to bring that to him. And I'm going to give you an opportunity, if, if you're a child of God, just to come to this altar and tell God, Lord, I'm bringing my tragedy to you. I'm bringing my struggle to you. Maybe it's a struggle with sin. I'm bringing my struggle to you. God delights for us to do that. And he's made a way for us to do that through Jesus. Uh, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, uh, the Bible says Christ died for your sin and he rose again. And that if you will choose to surrender your life to him, and trust him to give you the gift of eternal life, that he will do it. Um, the promise of God, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you'd like to make that decision this morning, I want to just invite you to come forward. I'll be standing here at the front, and uh, I'll take you through a prayer. If you like, you can pray in your own words, but if you like, I'll pray with you a phrase at a time. If, if sometimes that makes people feel more comfortable, um, just quietly here to the side. Um, but uh, you can leave this place knowing that your sins, past, present, and future, have been cleansed and paid for for all time. Isn't that a great thing? And that you've been given the gift of eternal life. If, uh, if that's your desire, uh, we're going to give you uh, an opportunity here in a moment. Uh, Brother Phillip's going to come, and uh, after our prayer, we'll begin to sing. And I'm just going to ask you when we begin to sing, just to step out of your seat and to walk up here to the front and make your decision for the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the fact that you use our tragedy. Uh, thank you for the greatest tragedy, our Lord Jesus Christ dying for our sins. And thank you, Lord, that by his stripes we're healed. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that's dealing with a tragedy, um, help them come and, and lay that before you in a prayer. And God, as we see people come, Lord, I pray that we'll lift them up and pray for them and encourage them. Father, I pray that if there's somebody here today.